You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Crippled Content Creations and Podcast Jukebox present Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is, of course, Andrew Gerza. I am your number one queer cripple, your disabled Dick Smith, and your disabled Dreamboat. Maybe I'm all three. Um, I am here to shine a bright light on sex and disability with you. Get comfy, cozy, and crippled. Maybe with a lover, and let's get started. First thing is first, y'all. I want to thank you for uh, donating to the Patreon at patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. Your hard-earned dollars because of the people on Patreon. And those of you on Patreon, you're hearing this one day early, so thank you. Those of you on Patreon helped me to procure a brand new beautiful microphone for this podcast. I was using a great mic that my dad gave to me when I first started. It was amazing. He got me a music stand and made it all accessible for me, and I really appreciate that. But because I have a swingway armrest in my wheelchair, sometimes when I would do it, my armrest would get stuck in the music stand, and then I would get stuck and be, be unable to move for like an hour, and it was super complicated. And so I upgraded to a microphone that is clamped to my desk, that I can move with ease. I feel very much like a professional now, and it feels super weird. This microphone is sleek and black and sexy, and I am the only reason that I was able to afford this microphone for like $140 is because of your great donations. Thank you so, so much for helping me do that and for keeping the show going. I couldn't appreciate it more. Enough shameless rambling, let's get started for this one. This one, I am uber excited about, and I cannot wait to tell you who is here in the in the sexy disabled hot seat with me today. So you heard in episode 134, I talked to queer members of the community who were not disabled about what would happen to you if you became disabled tomorrow? That's been a central question and a theme that I've been exploring a little bit on the show. And people raved about that episode. People, people left reviews saying that episode made them like 
sit up and think about the show differently and how great it was and thank you and it's awesome. So I decided to do it again. We're not done. We're going to do this again. And I talked to another great queer podcaster who I know, the amazing host of the LGBT Q&A podcast, Jeffrey Masters out of Los Angeles. I was on his show about a year and three months ago. I was on his show talking sex and disability. So I just casually sent him a DM and was like, hey, would you come on my show and talk about this stuff? And can I ask you questions about what would happen to you if you became disabled tomorrow? And he was like, sure, yes, please, no problem. And he right away said yes. And we had a really fun conversation about how his thoughts on independence and sexuality might change were he to become disabled, how his own sense of privilege might change, how he might not be able to fuck dudes outside anymore after Drag Race, uh, how he couldn't run up Runyon Canyon in, in L.A. anymore because he might need a mobility device. All these things are things he thought about, and I loved listening to him consider that seriously and consider what that would mean for him. It was a really funny, genuine, real conversation, and I was so proud to have it. So we're going to get to the combo now, but if you are a non-disabled person and you want to come on the show and interrogate the question, how would you feel if you became disabled tomorrow and how would that change your sex, I'd love to have you. You can email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and let's have that discussion because this is how we change ableist mindsets and this is how we do it through real frank discussions and I love doing stuff like this. So come on the show in a no judgment safe zone and let's do this. But for now, here's my awesome interview with Jeffrey Masters from the LGBT Q&A podcast right now on my on my podcast, Disability After Dark. Don't mind that weird giggle. I've just recorded a bunch of intros, so I'm a little bit loopy. But here's the interview with Jeffrey Masters right now on Disability After Dark. Jeffrey Masters, hello. Hi, hi, hi. Hello. Hi. Welcome to Disability After Dark. This is awesome because I was on your podcast about a year ago talking all things me and now you're on mine. I know. What took so long? What the hell? I mean, you know, we're both such big celebrities. <laughs> okay. We just, both of us were so busy. I'm here being cold in Toronto and you're there being awesome in LA, so... I'm freezing in an office, so I feel like it's the same thing. <sighs> I was just in San Diego, so I don't think so, but sure. <laughs> um, so, hello. I wanted to welcome you to the show. And why don't you introduce yourself and who you are, and then we'll get into why you're here. Awesome. I'm Jeffrey Masters. I host the podcast LGBT Q&A, which is an interview podcast documenting the queer and trans community. And uh, as of this week, I am the senior editor of special projects at The Advocate magazine. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I, I didn't know that. So are you like big time now? I'm the biggest time. And yeah, so I'm going to be doing podcasts here, some new ones, and then they're really helping to um, refresh their brand. They need to be, uh, you know, awakened a bit. A spring cleaning of, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, thanks. Well, you know, disability is a lot of special interest stuff. So if you need somebody, <clears throat> I'm right here, right here. So um, I invite you on the show today because you are somebody with a lot of privilege in our community and you 
are really well known because of the podcast and you, and you get around and do all the things. And I, when I was thinking about putting these kind of little mini ideas together, I wanted to talk to gay men about disability and particularly I wanted to talk to non-disabled gay men because they hold so much privilege in our community and I wanted to basically talk to them about what would happen if you ended up disabled and how would that, how do you think that would affect your life and so that's kind of what I want to talk about with you today. Awesome, I'm excited. I also am, I'm excited to have the conversation but I also know that I will say things that are, you know, probably like an ableist comment. So I'm going to be very mindful to um, not do that. <laughs> well, you know what? I'd actually prefer if you did do that because I understand you're coming into this without any kind of malice. I think the big thing around ableism and any kind of ism is if you can see, I mean, if it's, if it's a blatant, if it's a blatant like slur, that's problematic. But if you can yeah. see that the person is like trying to figure it out and they are coming, they're, coming into things without maybe a, a particular knowledge base or they're just trying to figure it out. I think that's okay. When it comes to ableism, I think it's still a concept that, well, it's been happening for thousands and thousands of years. The word ableism is relatively new. Um, it's something we we in disability justice talk about a lot, but in real life, we don't really talk about it. We, It's not something we talk about enough. So I think if it's okay, don't feel scared to censor that. And because I know you and because, you know, you're a podcast host, I know you're not going to start throwing slurs around, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, so but don't feel concerned about saying the wrong thing, because I think part of what this, this these kind of episodes want to do is to confront why you might say something like that and where they came from and how how that can, how we can work to change that together or you totally. know, how your privileges of white, able, cisgender man, queer man informs all of that and so that's kind of what i'm exploring with these episodes so don't feel like you have to censor it all okay i appreciate that thank you awesome so i want to jump into the first question of the questions um so how do you think it would feel for you to experience disability tomorrow now disability can be experienced in a number of ways you could have an accident you could wake up and just be, not be able to do something you could you could Again, my brain because again, even my ableist brain is going to the only way you can become disabled is to have an accident, which I know is not true. Um, but like, if something were to happen to you and you needed a mobility device tomorrow, like a cane or a walker or a wheelchair, how do you think, like, how do you think it would feel to experience that? So, I, I I'm stuttering because last year, about six months ago, I had a number of health issues that like, drastically changed my what I'm able to do with my body and I'm actually now getting back to like where I was but um previous to six months ago I was like the most active person you've ever met I would walk to the grocery store I'd walk to Target I'd forget something at the grocery store and I'd walk back um Runyon Canyon is this like really famous hiking trail in Los Angeles. Oh please, I, I have friends with Inst I have gays with Instagram. I know what oh, okay. <laughs> I know what Runyon Canyon is. I see them all with their shirts up up there. Okay, so people go and they will just hike and um they don't go just for the shirtless picture. So it can be radical. Um and so like <laughs> six months ago, I'd go just do a hike alone, I'd keep my shirt on, and I'd finish. And then I would see a friend at the bottom of the mountain. And I would just do it again. And I would just like do this whole hike again. And I wouldn't even think about like, is this too much for my body? Or like, will I be hurting tomorrow? Because I was just in back out of shape. Um, 
And then I did AIDS life cycle, which is like a 500 mile bike ride. And then my body just like, was like, yo, fuck you. We're, we're shutting down. <laughs> and I had an Achilles tendon problem that I was in physical therapy before. And then my shoulder had a problem. I was in physical therapy before. And then I got an ulcer because of all the anti-inflammatory. So I had like a stomach thing that like took like three months to heal. And then I had like another thing that I can't talk about because it gets graphic. Um, but in terms Ooh. of like a urinary thing, not a urinary tract infection. But I have been thing. there. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask you what, but I have a feeling I know what you're talking about. It's like, I got you. I got you. Okay. You know, I will tell you later if you want, but um, I've, I've no shame. But so I tell you all the singing that like my experience of my body went from like 60 to zero in a matter of like weeks. And um, I did not realize how much physical activity impacted my mental health. Yeah. And so that would kind of be my biggest worry. If like you said, I got into an accident tomorrow, like, what would I do at like two o'clock in the middle of the day when I want to go for like a fucking 10 minute walk? Yeah. Because I mean, as a wheelchair user, I can tell you, like I was in San Diego last week for a talk and good getting around anywhere in California is like, unless you're a runner or you have a car, you're not, it, it isn't happening. Yeah. And so like, I, like I would like go out with friends and just like be in like a bad mood. And I was like, Oh, it's because I did not realize that all these things that were part of my normal routine are actually self care and have been like impacting my mental health and making me a really happy, positive person. Yeah. So, but I think, I think, and again, I, I, I never, I have not gone from one state of being to another. So I don't know what that feels like, but I can imagine that your, your things that make you happy would have to shift. Like yes. If your th happy thing is running, maybe you would, if you use a mobility device or you got to a state where you needed a mobility device, you could then use that or you could find other things that make you feel good. Totally. And like last like November, December, I was like sitting on the floor of my bedroom stretching because I was trying to see if I could still get that like positive mental boost from this like stable thing that like didn't involve like running around the block. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, you know, your, your mind adjusts. So um, I would just have to find like joy, for lack of better words, in other ways. I imagine. Well, being disabled can be hot, as we're as you know, as we're learning. Um, that's my own little shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> um, I didn't mention anything about that. <laughs> I mean, I did, so it's fine. It's my show. I'm allowed to be as shameless and as annoying as I want to be. Uh, so, but like. Do you th what, how else do you feel about do you think the experience of disability might affect you if it happened tomorrow? Um, I greatly prize my independence. And so having to rely on other people would be a massive mental adjustment for me. Yeah, I mean, it's a massive mental adjustment for me and I do it every day with the people that I have to ask them for help. And it it is continually something I... I run up against and I struggle with because I my idea of independence and your idea of independence are do very different things. Right. Is it still something that you're still like adjusting to now? I mean, again, I was born with my disability, so adjusting to disability is an everyday thing for me. Um, and I think it is for anybody with a disability. It's something you 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 deal with every single day. Um, but dealing with the loss of independence or the morning the morning morning and independence that you never really had or that you're expected to, like when you're able-bodied, the idea of independence is completely different. You're supposed to be 
You're supposed to be able to lift things, run, jump, play, take care of yourself. And when you're disabled, the idea of independence shifts because you have to be able to start to understand that being independent means having someone there with you and doing something for you, but being able to ask for help and saying, I need you to do this, and that's me being independent. Oh, that's a great point. Like, that I could still be, if I was disabled, I could, uh, uh, I I can't say disabled, actually, can I? Yes, you can. Why not? Can I? Okay, great. Um, so if I like had let's a disability, un- let's, let's hang on. Let's back up for a second. Let's unpack like why you were scared to say the word disabled. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just curious. Oh, no, well. oh, yeah, I'm happy to tell you. So I, I thought because um, I think like the preferred language I'm told is like people with disabilities mm. that like they don't want to front disabled, or is that not correct? I would say that it's actually people with disabilities is person first language and that's kind of been adopted by a lot of people but also there's identity first language which is what i prefer which basically means whatever the disabled person tells you to call them i.e if i said call me gimp that's what you call me if i said call me cripple that's what you call me if i said call me disabled that's what you call me and so i, I prefer that because disability right. is so nuanced and so um so, so me saying that you are disabled is not the same thing as me being like, yo, Andrew, he's a faggot. No, definitely not. No, <laughs> okay. no. I mean, I mean, yes, I am. And I'm quite proud of that. I'm, I'm both those things. And I'm quite proud of both of them. But um, no, I mean, it, I don't think I don't think disabled is a slur. I don't think disabled is a bad word. I think it's something that non-disabled people who were afraid of offending somebody thought was a bad word and decided to scrub it out and say no 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 and in our like in our long-standing history of trying to figure out how to how the fuck to give disabled people human rights yeah we've changed the language but we really didn't change the language without with i think and this is just my opinion anybody listening who wants to tear me down in a minute go ahead um i think we haven't done enough to really talk to disabled people about what they how do they want their community to be addressed some well, that, that goes to my big complaint with like all of modern culture, where we're obsessed with language and being polite and using disabled or not using disabled in terms of the words. But when it comes to our actions, we're doing absolutely nothing to like bring in like uh, like people with disabilities into our communities yeah. and make sure like, they're there and present. Yeah. yeah, and that's part of my issue with social justice people. For, and I am one of them too, so I can speak to this. And I, th- I think we all are. Like the social justice world really loves to be a stickler on language, but when it comes to do actually doing something to ensure that disabled people are being treated fairly or in all facets of community, that's not happening. And that, this is not just a disability conversation. This is like, if you're marginalized, we love to use the language that supposedly quotes quote unquote uplifts you, but we don't actually do anything to to help you get there. Yeah, and there's a massive disconnect there. A huge I totally agree. And I completely, yeah. So, and that's such an awesome thing because, and again, it's really awesome that you, again, because of your privilege and our privileges together as like white cis, dis, as white cis queer men, we can see that we are not doing enough. Like, yeah, just fag to fag. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much the, that's going to be the title of this episode. Um, I like it. So, Great, I'm happy. <laughs> so let's move into the sexier stuff and, and feel free to like get cozy and comfy and ready to be like super dirty. Um, so in terms of sex, can I ask you, can I be, can I ask you some, some questions on your sex life? You can ask me anything you want. Cool. So do you, th- you're able-bodied. Yes. Yes. 
So you, you are you more of a top or bottom? So I, I'll tell you the exact truth. I enjoy both. I tend to bottom more. And that is because sometimes I just get performance anxiety and my dick is not as hard as I want it to be. And so it's easier just to not have to use it to have penetrative sex. Story of my life. <laughs> sometimes my dick is super hard and I can't come at all. And that pisses me off. But yeah. I get it. And I have never bought him, so I'm a little bit jealous. I, I really want to, but I got to find somebody who, who is willing to deal with all the disability stuff that goes in with Andrew Bonovic. So, one day, friends, it'll happen. It'll happen. But keep me updated. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll start a thread. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Doing Andrew Bottom today. No. Um, so okay. And the reason why I asked that for you is so as a bottom, and to, we'll say that you're verse then. Um, so, so what kind of sexual things do you like right now as a physically abled queer man? Um, you know what? I haven't said this uh, publicly ever, but I really... Wow. Yes, this is an exclusive. Sign the press release. Here it is. <laughs> um, I really enjoy, like, sex in places I shouldn't be, like, outside or a car. <laughs> like, where? Uh, like if we're like, if like I'm leaving a friend and it's like 11 PM, like leaving their house, like in that car and on the street. You're my hero. <laughs> so, okay. And so, so you like sex outside. You're... I'll tell you this. I have not dated a guy, uh, like be it like a month or six months. I've not dated a guy in the last 10 years that I have not hooked up with in my car. Wow. Follow it's up. a great car. Yeah. <laughs> Follow-up question. Is your car wheelchair accessible? It is not. We're going to have to work on that shit. I would have to, like, lift your body into the car and then put the wheelchair in itself. My my 300-pound electric chair? Sure. Uh, I would have to drag your car, <laughs> your wheelchair behind my car. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So now everybody knows how Jeff and I are going to hook up at some point. Awesome. It's 300 pounds. 300 pounds before I get in it. So with me in it, it's like 465. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that's awesome that you like to have sex in your car and outside. So, like, so like, where outside have you had sex? Like, give me, give me some of these places because I want to talk then about, like, whether or not they would be accessible for me. Okay, so uh, this place was not accessible. I was at my friend's for like to watch Drag Race, and the house next door was like semi under construction and empty, and just like outside, like against that house. Damn, that is some hot shit. When are you producing porn? Hey, thank you. When is that coming? Um, that's tomorrow's launch. That's my next announcement. <laughs> yes. Do you need a disabled porn star? I mean, there's already, there's already been yeah. one, but I am yeah, here. Sorry. I am ready for it. Um, what if I send you a porn video and it's like people's are just, all their heads are cut off and I'm like, yo, Andrew, that's me. <laughs> Please do that. Please do that. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, so we know you like to bottom. We know you like to have sex outside. We know you like to have sex in your car. How do you think, let's pretend that you were a wheelchair user, kind of like me. How do you think your sex would change then if you let's say you're a wheelchair user and let's say that yeah but let's say you still have the same sexual drive you have now you still have the desire to have sex all those things are still intact how do you envision that changing or, well i imagine like a lot less spontaneity 
True. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I also imagine it would need a lot more communication. Yeah. You know? It does. I mean, communication and sex is something we should all be doing, generally, just because communication is hot. But it does require a whole different level of communication than, than probably yeah. your drag race hookup and you were used to. Yeah, there's a there's a difference between like, hey, like, is this okay? Like, do you like this? And like, hey, can you like pick me up like out, out of my wheelchair and like set me down the bed and like you know, <laughs> like yeah. those are like different at questions. <laughs> it's well, it's a different level of communication because it does cross that weird clinical line of like, can okay, like I'm gonna be hooking up with a sex worker friend of mine in a couple hours, and I like the first five minutes of our conversations are usually. Got to put this thing on. Got to get transferred from, from my chair to the bed. Got, like, and we're friendly and jovial, but it's like we can't. Yeah. I can't start being sexual until these things are done. So there is a definite feeling of like gotta, like gotta do the clinical stuff first, and then you get to move into sex. Right, and I like to leave things up to possibilities and. Um, to see like where the mood swings. And so that's why I think like a car hookup is so exciting because there's no expectations at all for anything to happen or not happen, which is sexy. But if I, um, but if you're like having to ask all these questions for you and like just like take your clothes off and like, like set me here, it's like, it's like gearing up those expectations that freak me out. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I, I think so many gay, gay and queer men that I've encountered, especially non-disabled gay men, um, really are terrified of expectation, and I get so annoyed with that because I'm like, I ha- I have to expect things. Yeah. I have to expect that I'll be safe. I have to expect that they'll do something for me. I have to expect that blah blah. blah. And so when I'm kind of jealous of the privilege of like non-disabled gay men saying like, oh, I just want it to just ha- whatever happens. It's like I wish that I could be. Like, I wish that that was part of my experience. And not to say, like, that you're a bad person for, like, liking that. I'm just saying, generally, like, I wish that it was more that kind of flight of fancy. Oh, I'm going to suck some dick or I won't, whatever, blah, blah. I wish, like, that freedom to be that slutty was there. And and I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Also, in terms of safety, I can, like, exit a hookup at any time and, like, shut it down with, with, like, ease. Yeah. You can just say, boom, we're done. Thanks so much. Bye. Yeah. Or like, this isn't feeling great. I'm going to go. And then like, within like six minutes, I grab my phone. I'm like sprinting outside. <laughs> you know? Can you please like chest record your hookup uh, for me and just send it to me on a DM? I just want to see the trajectory of Jeffrey Masters hooking up with the dude. I just want to see what that looks like. Um, that is super my OnlyFans only. Um, but also like we're talking about physical like disability, but um, you know, in terms of I really prize my ability to communicate and to form sentences to say like how I'm feeling. And yeah. so like if I was not able to do that, I would well one, my entire career is built on conversations. Yeah. <laughs> so like I would need to rethink that. But in terms of like like I use the example of ending a hookup. That takes a lot of really careful communicating, and I'm down to do it. And the person can often get really upset and uncomfortable and feel like they did something wrong. And I know how to ease them down and just be like, it's not about you. Like, it's totally fine. I know you want it to, like, come in my mouth and have me swallow. Like, that's not going to happen. But, like, it'll happen one day for you. And, like, like be well. I'm giggling because your podcast is so professional. And <laughs> I, I listen to you, and I don't think I ever have once heard you say the word come on your show. 
Um, I think you're right. <laughs> so this makes me so happy because I'm peeling back the layers that are Jeffrey Masters. Here she is. Hey, advocate. I hope you're listening to this because <laughs> here's what's happening. Um, so do you feel like your sexuality and your views on sex might change a little bit more yeah. than you've already said? Like, Yeah. I, I Yeah. I, I think that, like, sex would be... Um, Tell me, okay, so let me let me give you a more direct question. Please. What, what is the scariest, if you were to think about your life as a as a queer, gay, body man right now, and that would like, and then you were disabled tomorrow, when you think about your sex life, what is the thing that scares you the most? Um, th- I'm gonna say what the first thing came to my mind, and it mm-hmm. sounds like a really derogatory, nasty. I would, ha- I feel like I couldn't be as picky. I would have like less options. Not true. Um, well, I was oh, really. I was thinking because there's like less people who would like, like want. I think. I think we think there are, and there are moments in my own life where I've thought, oh, I got to take this sex with this guy that I'm not really into because I want to get off, and here he is. But like, what I'm learning is that once you show non-disabled people that you can be sexy, you the options open up, that you are sexy, that you yourself feel sexy and have that confidence in you, the options totally open up. And if the good look, like, and what I realized too as a disabled person is sometimes I don't want the guy with the abs. Yeah, it's really hot to watch him on Runyon Canyon and like be super hot and be the insta-gay that's hot. Yes, but I slept with some of those guys and in bed I'm like, oh really, this is what I'm getting? Like, I. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. Um, I'd rather the chubby guy with emotions who doesn't really, who has some body stuff and we could hang out and have body stuff together while sucking dick. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I think that's amazing to hear. And I think that like all it takes in terms of, um, like I think that like art, does sexuality and our desire is like able to like change and it's immutable and it's so much more malleable than we know so i think at times all the world needs is to like be sexually attracted to one person be it andrew gers or somebody else who's in a wheelchair and then it opens up the entire world of people with wheelchairs yeah. in their mind yeah and i mean everybody should be attracted to andrew gerza because i mean <laughs> i promise you i'm not this much of a narcissist i promise so much um i'm a shy um, awkward girl from the north yeah, I can tell that. <laughs> and I'm a girl with a podcast who doesn't talk about cum. <laughs> Amazing. That might be the tagline for the show. Um, um, so, so again, what we I kind of already asked you this, but other than feeling picky or feeling like you couldn't be picky, what are some other things you might be afraid of losing if, if you became disabled tomorrow? I think that I w- would, um, I, 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 I imagine I'd have like less like casual sex that like without like knowing the person as well. Because if I was like <laughs> had a disability, I would need to like get to know them a little more and like kind of maybe explain like what's like my like deal is. Yeah, and I think you're right about that. My, I had casual sex a few weeks ago. I had a 2 a.m. hookup for the first time, I swear to God, in like five years. Yeah. And I invited this guy over to my house, and he came to my house in the dark, and we fucked around. He was, I'll never sleep with him again. It was a horrible experience. I'm sorry <laughs> if you're listening, but oh my God, it was not fun. Um, and so we didn't have a good time, and I remember thinking, you know what? The sex I have with sex workers, where I built a kind of relationship yeah. and a kind of trust, 
feels a thousand times better than whatever the fuck this is. Like, so it it teaches you that casual sex isn't as great as we in our community make it out to be. I agree, and I think that everyone kind of has to like figure that out for themselves, right? Yeah, totally. And I, I don't think we're doing and disability. I think disability would allow you to do that more. Um, and I, I I do think that sometimes the sexiest part of sex and disability is not the sex; it's the connection you build before and after. Some of my favorite times with sex workers or able-bodied men that I that I have sex with is when they're getting me out of my chair and putting me in the bed or putting me back in my chair. Those Aww. moments are so much more powerful for me than, oh, yeah, I sucked your dick for three hours and then I came everywhere. Like, sure, that's nice. But I, as I get older, I'm an old man now, as I turn to, like, 35 this year, um, I feel like I want more of those connections than, like, the, like, I'm going to fuck you in the alley and we're not going to know each other. Like, okay, great. But yeah. can we be friends, too? <laughs> yeah I agree um, and I just think that I, and, I, and I just think that you might also lose I think when you're disabled you also lose a lot, of, a lot of the fear of fucking up because people already think you're weird people already think you're um, people already have these misconceptions so you can kind of kind of try things and push the envelope a little bit of course with consent and boundaries and all those things but you get to play a little bit more yeah. Um, and so all this talk today and all this chat we had, how do you think this highlights your own sexual ableism as a non-disabled queer person? So like how, or a non-disabled queer queer man rather, like how, how does all this stuff make you think about your privilege? I mean, it definitely highlights a lot of the lack of accessibility in like my queer spaces. They're like my go-to's. I live in West Hollywood, California. Gay as fuck. You know? Yeah, you're in Wayho. The, the gayest and the fuckiest place to be is right there. I know. I'm an ambassador. Just kidding. Uh, but yeah, like, it's it's not accessible. No, it really isn't. And, yeah. And like also, like, I have a problem talking uh, about, like, bars as being queer community spaces when not everyone drinks or not everyone drinks as much as I do, you know? But, like, I just, like, think that that is, like, a big limiting thing, too. Like, when we think about queer spaces, we immediately go to gay bars. And oftentimes, that's not what the majority of the population even wants. No, really, it isn't. The majority of the population wants to watch Netflix, have a cookie with you, maybe suck your dick, and maybe come all over you and then eat the cookie again. That's what they want. Yeah, and, like, now with, like, these fucking dating apps, no one will talk to you in person anyways. I know. And you're like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> when, I, when I was in LA last year, I when I was there. I was actually at Grindr to do some things um, before before Into was disseminated. Yeah, RIP. The sadness. Uh, and I remember being on the Grindr and being like, they don't even talk to you. They send you a shot of their dick, and you're like, hang on, hold on. I would gladly put that monster tool in my mouth if you gave me your name. If maybe <laughs> right. I knew who I was gonna meet before I sucked their dick. Um, so like, so I'm, I feel like a social scientist where I like get an image of a dick, and I'm like, hey, and they're like, wanna come over? And I'm like, does this work? Like, does somebody just say yes? What's your address? And then even if they do, like, do you guys have a good time? Like, that can't be that great of sex, right? Yeah, because usually an hour later, they're back on the app looking for the next dick to suck. And it's like, okay, obviously we had... 
no shade to anybody, but like we should, we really need, yeah. need to start like, brought, like deepening our connections with each other. And again, disability allows for you to do that. And I think like, I think maybe if you were disabled, you wouldn't have sex in the back of like, in the back of your car maybe, and you wouldn't have sex in, you know, against an old house. Unfortunately. But uh, you might have great sex that isn't so so that isn't so predicated on like the outside places where you can go. Yeah, and like how we have differing um, opinions on like the term independence. Like how like you um, we were talking about earlier. Like it, that would have to change in terms of like my view of like sexuality and like desire and like what I want. Yeah, it would mean you'd have to be really clear about what you want and sometimes for me as a, as a wheelchair user I know what I want I know what I want like right now yeah. I want five dicks in my mouth right now but I that's also, a lot I, honestly I'd recommend four yeah. thank you <laughs> um, but I also understand that like, or like what I'm saying is I want to be slutty but I also know that because of my disability that's going to require time that's going to require access that's going to require some non-disabled person usually or you know, less disabled person than me or disabled person who's not an ableist to put aside their prejudice and to confront their own ableism and realize they, if they, if they want to spend time with me, they have to get over themselves. Yeah, I agree. And like most able-bodied gay men, unfortunately don't want to get over themselves. They don't. I mean, you're exactly right. <laughs> and I don't, and I think that like come that like falls to like like disabilities, it falls to like races and different body types, like a thousand things. Uh, we like to limit ourselves. Yeah, we like to have our boyfriends look just like us. And that is like the scariest thing in the world to me. Isn't it? Just like, okay, I'm all about the bearded muscle pups, okay? That's my jam. But it's really disconcerting when you open up the apps and they look just like each other. Also, I think that I'm like, selfish enough already. If I like had a boyfriend who was my ideal, my like twin, I'd be like, oh, I'm just in love with myself even more. <laughs> I mean, one good thing for me about being a wheelchair user and being a power wheelchair user, no less, is that I'll never have a boyfriend twin. <laughs> and I'm so excited that that will never be me. I'm excited for you. <laughs> um, so how do you think our conversation today has has it changed your view on anything? Has it made you think differently about stuff? Do you have anything else you want to say? It Yeah, it's changed things. I'm, I appreciate your ability to have a like fun, good-natured talk about this kind of stuff. Like, I think that we need to have more conversations like this, and they can't just be, like, deadly serious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I was trying to do today. Like, I wanted you to confront some of your own stuff, but I also enjoyed that, like, when I was talking to the gayish guys on, on an episode, like, on a similar episode, I remember them wanting to be so serious, and I was like, no, 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 like, we can joke, it's okay, like, make a joke. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. Oh, my God, very quickly, can I tell you about my urinary problem? Yeah. Okay. Uh, am I recording this part or what's that Absolutely. Like? Absolutely. Right, okay, good. Okay. So one day I'm jacking off and my semen is a little bit pink. Okay. And I'm like, okay, cute. Like pink for the summer. I <laughs> love it. Great. Um, <laughs> pink for the summer. Yeah, cool. And then two days later, I jack off again and it is blood red. It looks like strawberry jelly. And I was like, okay, great. I um, have cancer and I'm dying and I have six hours to live. And so I call my doctor. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm in no pain. My doctor is like, oh, we're super busy. We can't get you in for two weeks. I'm like, no, I'm bleeding out my penis. 
and they're like, are you in pain? I was like, I can't walk. I can't breathe. I can't hold the phone. I'll see you at eight. So I go in and they test me at like my like normal like gay clinic and nothing's, everything's fine. And they're like, these things happen. Don't worry about it. If it comes back, um, let us know. Great. Three weeks later, it happens again. The strawberry jelly coming out of my body. And I was like, okay, perfect. I'm definitely dying this time. And so I call them. They refer me to like a urinary tract, not a urinary doctor. Urologist. Urologist, that word, yes. (laughs) Um, I go there. They do a ultrasound of my dick, my balls, my butt, my stomach. They ultrasound like everything below the belly button. Yeah. And they stick like numerous fingers in my butt. They feel around and make sure that my prostate's not. so hot for you. Thank you. It was lovely. Um, <laughs> I'm still excited. Um, they just to make sure my prostate wasn't enlarged, and they um, run 1,000 tests, and they're like, "The good news is you're the healthiest person ever, and the bad news is that these things just happen, and it's totally fine, and there's not a thing wrong with you. It just looks horrifying, but it's totally fine." Oh dear. And so I was like, what the fuck? So this was last November as my like body was like doing all these other shit. And it hasn't happened since. But every once in a while, I'll be with a guy and he's like, come on my face. And I'm like, oh God, what if this happens? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's now my worst nightmare. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to cover him with bright red semen. I've said this before on the show. My worst nightmare is if I have an IBS attack on a guy as I'm trying to fuck him. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's literally the, the my most scariest. So I I feel you. I get I get the, I get the worry totally. Um, but so I guess what I'm saying is like I don't want us, be it your attack or my attack, to like feel like we can't talk about these things. No. Because like when I do come on someone's face and it's bright red, I want him to be like, as long as you're healthy, I'm fine. <laughs> and I'll be like, thank you so much for being considerate. Don't put it in your mouth. Yeah, I mean, if it's fine, I guess he could. I don't know. That um, would not make me excited. No, excited. I don't think I would enjoy that too much. Um, this was a really fun, tangential conversation about disability. And thank you for... Um, I was going to ask you at the beginning, but I guess I'll ask you now, because I'm just going to throw it in there. Why not? What do you think your privileges are as a queer... Um, I almost said queer disabled. As a queer, able-bodied, white, cis man. Um, in terms of like um, abilities or in general privileges? Um, let's go with ability. I, oh, uh, so many. <laughs> um, what are my privileges? I can think of two right now. Okay, I think it's my ability to like walk into a room and not have them like, like the wheelchair be the first thing they see. Totally true. Yep. Yep. Like I like you're like I I can just walk over and say hi, you know, and we'd start a conversation. They're not like so like why are you in a wheelchair? <laughs> yeah, totally. I would never ask that if somebody came over in a wheelchair. I'd be like, hey, what's up? And if you did, I would punch you in the balls, and then you'd have a real reason for your balls to bleed. Um, maybe maybe that's why it happened. <laughs> shit. Please tell me that your balls didn't bleed because you were an ableist asshat. Please promise me that that's what happened. I don't know biology. I can't tell you that. <laughs> um, if I keep talking, we're just going to devolve into hilarious moments together. Okay. So this was great. I want people to follow your stuff and follow what you do and follow who you are because I've been on your show and you're great. How do people get a hold of you? 
Thank you. Yeah, um, they can go to any of my social medias. I promote my stuff so much. I'm on Twitter and everywhere at Jeff Masters One. And my interview podcast that Andrew's been on is called LGBTQ&A with an ampersand. And I would, I'm going to put a public ask of you. Try great. to have more disabled people on your show because we're great. You're actually working on that. Yeah. Let me... Oh, yes. Oh, yes, totally. I feel like you have a secret thing you can't talk about with the recording. It's not a secret. We just have a, a we have a woman coming out in a couple of weeks, um, Ivy Botini, and she is legally blind. Although, like, I was, in, my stutter was, I don't even know if that's considered like like disability, but I guess it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it totally is. Um, um not to name drop like the one other disabled person, but like we're yeah, we're working on it. Thank you. Awesome. Well, let me know if you need people because I can think of like five that you come on your show. Deal. Yeah, we'll chat off the air. I'd love that. All right. Well, Jeff, this was your. This was again a really tangential, hilarious conversation. So fun. Didn't go to all the places I thought we would. Went to places I didn't think we would at all. It was great. I agree. Thank you so much for this. Thanks so much for being here. Bye. Bye. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is, of course, Andrew Gerza, and thank you so much for listening and helping the show go. I really appreciate that you all listen and that you come back every week, and I love doing it, and I love shining a bright light on these topics, so thank you. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com where you'll find my writings, some cool videos I've been in, and you'll see where I've been talking where I've been doing talks, and if you want to hire me to talk, you can do so there as well. If you want to follow me on the social media, you can put in all my handles on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook at TheAndrewGerza. If you want to follow the podcast specifically, you can follow us on Twitter at DisAftDarkPod, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash DisabilityAfterDark. This show is a completely independent production. I literally record the show here in my bedroom in Toronto, and that's awesome. So if you want to support this fully independent program, you can head over to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark, and you can pledge $1 a month to get the show early and get really cool perks like that, and I, I will give you a shout-out on the air, and thank you for your support. It would be super awesome if you could also leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast so that this show, all about sexuality and disability, something we don't talk about enough, can get more traction and more people can hear about the show. Lastly, if you want to be a part of Disability After Dark, you can submit your suggestions, story ideas, or your minisodes to our email inbox, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, we'll be back next time, right here on the program Shining a Bright Light on Sex and Disability, Disability After Dark.